It's Thursday, October 7th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson from The Athletic. We are previewing here on Thursday, a couple days before Notre Dame takes on Virginia Tech. The Irish traveling to Lane Stadium where they handled the Hokies three years ago. Going to be a little different set of circumstances this time around. Um, let, let's start with um, let, let's start with Virginia Tech, and then we'll veer into the, the the quarterback decision, which Brian Kelly commented on today. Uh, did he tip his hand? Yes. I don't know. I mean, yes. I, I think now, based upon what but um, we're all hearing, is that uh, it's going in one particular direction. But well, let's talk about Virginia Tech first here. Um, you know, my impression of Virginia Tech, having watched them all week, is there's a bunch of talented athletes and the sum of the parts is not as great as the individual parts, but that if Virginia Tech plays to its potential, which it really rarely does for Justin Fuente, if you think about it, uh, and, and that's been true of this year as well. I mean, they're coming off of a break. They played, they did very little uh, offensively against Richmond and, and, and laid down for West Virginia for a while. And then made a comeback and had a chance to win it inside the five, but just what your impressions guys are of uh, Virginia tech, a three and one Virginia tech team. I think they're kind of a poor man's Notre Dame uh, in some ways, like the court, the, the offense has been underwhelming in a, in a season where it was expected to take a step forward. Um, the defense has done a lot of good things that, you know, they don't have Kyle Hamilton or Isaiah Foskey out there, but you know, Dex Holyfield's a really good college football player. Um, they're older on defense and, you know, whereas Notre Dame has a first year coordinator with really good experience before I got here, Virginia Tech switched up coordinators from Bud Foster to Justin Hamilton last year, um, which is probably the worst season in the history of college football to make a defensive coordinator change with COVID. Um, but th they seem to be getting a lot better. Um, so it's, it's not, I feel like, the Bud Foster defense is sort of like you, if you had a, the right personnel a good offensive line and capable quarterback, you were going to be fine. Um, whereas now I feel like the, the defense is, you know, it's just a different style of defense than Bud Foster. It seems like it's, I don't know if it's more aggressive per se, but like Justin Hamilton and his approach there seems to be taking a little bit more root than it ever did at any point last season. I don't, I don't feel like they're uh we don't need to keep comparing to Bud Foster's defense, but I don't, I don't feel like they do as many unique things as Bud Foster would, of course, but um, that's, that's to be expected, right? There's, that's not yeah. a game with different things that, for a very long time uh, to help up Virginia Tech's defense. But I, I mean, the, the four, two, five look is you can run on it and you can get those safeties to bite on play action because you're running on it. You can hit them deep, but we're, we're analyzing the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game, not future Virginia Tech games right now where teams will be able to run on them. So that, I have some concerns because they're quick on defense. Um, you know, if you're quick on defense, but not big enough, Notre Dame can usually run you over. I'm just not sure that's going to be able to happen with this offensive line. Yeah. I, you know, I would argue that um, Virginia Tech does have a Isaiah Foskey and that's Amari Barno, who, when I first looked at him, the first thing I looked at uh, was actually in the press box. Tim, remember before the game, I was looking at, Virginia Tech and, and um, West Virginia, and I, I I didn't think Barno was very effective. Uh, but then you then you watch further and you dip back into last year a little bit. He's he's pretty good. I mean, 
he is a big, long, aggressive uh, defensive end that I think is the best player on their defense. Their D-line has done a really nice job this year. According to um, Tim, the guy that you talked to for the, the insider preview, their linebackers have, str- have struggled against the pass, but they have talent there. And I really like I really like the athletes that they have in their secondary. I think they have multiple players there. But, you know, the, the fascinating guy for me is Braxton Burmeister, who has struggled certainly under pressure like most quarterbacks, pressure from the defense, opposing defense, I mean. Um, but, man, I, he, I mean, he's just a savvy little kid that sparks them. He's tough. He's fearless. He'll run. They, they were faced with a third and 24. I think it was the West Virginia game when they made their comeback and he ran for 25 yards. So he's a resourceful player. They actually say that, that Braxton Burmeister, their quarterback is the fastest player on their team, uh, which you don't hear very often from that quarterback position. But, you know, I just think that individually they're pretty darn good. Collectively, they're Justin Puente coached, which we've seen in the past, but I'll say this week what I said last week, Notre Dame better play well, and it's a tough environment to play well in. Yeah, I I, I guess I look at Virginia Tech, and I, I could Notre Dame lose? Yes. Uh, but does Virginia Tech have the formula to beat Notre Dame the way that you know Cincinnati did? And it's not just a mobile quarterback, but it's a quarterback who, who can hit deep shots. Um you know, it's it's multiple. It's a cornerback who can lock out your number one receiver, and like Virginia Tech has has five completions of thirty yards or more this season. Like they're not really a deep shot pass team, um, which I think it works in our aim's favor. And then, you know, their defensive back play I think is is fine, but there's not there's not a sauce gardener running around. That's going to sort of take away a third of the field before the play starts. So yeah, it's, um, I, yeah I agree with that, Pete. Um, yeah. They are 123rd in 40 yard plays, which, you know, again, when I watch them, I find that a little hard to believe because, you know, they do have, uh, you know, I, I like uh, Trey Turner. Certainly he's capable. Mm-hmm. I, I um uh, Raheem Blackshear, the running back, is more dangerous catching the ball than he is actually having it handed to him. And they have a huge offensive line. John Tanuta's son, Luke, is 6'9", 322 at left tackle. Uh, but they haven't, you know, collectively, it's a big offensive line. I think it averages like 6'5", 317. But I, I, it, they haven't played with any kind of consistency. And I think your comment, Pete, about poor man's Notre Dame, I think that's a I think that's a valid comparison. I don't think I don't think either one certainly you know has reached their potential. And maybe there's, I mean, maybe Notre Dame has a little bit more of an excuse because of the inexperience along the offensive line, um, you know. But yeah, I just if they if Virginia puts puts it together, they're a dangerous team. I just have a hard time picturing that because they're just a very inconsistent football team. Um, let's let's quickly here now jump into the quarterback situation because I think we both heard, both of our outlets heard uh, Drew Pine earlier in the week, and then uh, it it now appears that and, and I you know correct me if I'm wrong I'm trying to interpret what Brian Kelly said today but it sure sounded like Jack Cohn is going to be the starter this week and Pete you and I both had had connections that that told us earlier in the week now that that that's true. 
Yeah, I mean, you asked the question of Brian Kelly today about, you know, experience in a road environment, which is something that I wanted to ask about. And, the, you know, he said experience in a road environment really matters. That's a factor. Mobility of the quarterback, yeah, less so. Like that, you know. <laughs> that that kind of answers only, it, doesn't it? There's only two lines <laughs> to read between at that point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it will be Jack Cohn based on what I'd heard, how practice went this week, um, at least on Tuesday. Uh, and I think I wrote this by mail back today. It's like the only thing more Brian Kelly than switching quarterbacks is bucking conventional wisdom. Um, and so in, in this case, while starting Drew Pine would feel very Brian Kelly-ish, bucking conventional wisdom and sticking with Jack Cohn actually is is the most Brian Kelly thing to do. Hey, it's a uh, – Tim, when you said that to me, was it, I guess it was Tuesday – yeah, you know, don't you think it's Cone the way he said it? I was like, no, I don't can't conceive of it being Cone, but it's probably <laughs> going to be Cone. I I can't conceive of it on the field. I get the point that like you have left, you have offensive line communication issues. You're going to maybe be starting a true freshman at left tackle. If you don't, it doesn't matter. You're starting somebody else that can't communicate or, or block, and you're going to put Jack Cone back there to be a sitting duck. But maybe Jack Cone can read out some more stuff pre-snap. Except he hasn't been doing a great job reading stuff out pre-snap anyway there when brian kelly said if i thought pine was doing great he would have been in there he was being brutally honest and we didn't know it there must be things he is not doing in practice oh. consistently and uh, they just think to themselves you know we'd like to go to the mobile quarterback but we can't um I, but anyway <laughs> i'm gonna remain shocked all week that he's not starting <laughs> whether he's right or not i'm just gonna remain shocked yeah, and I, you know, I understand again trying to look at it from a coach's perspective as opposed to an irrational fan's perspective. Um, I understand why he would want to start Cone. He's a 23 game starter going into a difficult environment, a difficult environment where, by the way, um, in the last three seasons, Virginia Tech lost eight of the 20 games that they played there. But be that as it may, not all those are night games. We know night games are more difficult there. I, I mean, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not shocked. I, I, here's the only thing, and this is my only reaction to it. And it's the same reaction I had on last Saturday. If Cone is struggling, put Pine in the game. I don't want to see Tyler Buckner running, a, you know, 10% of the, the, uh, the playbook. If, if Cone is struggling, put Pine in the game and try to get a spark. I understand why you want to start Cone. I understand that he probably understands, there's no doubt about it. He understands the coverages and what's thing, what the things are being done against the offense. He sees things like a, a much more mature quarterback than Drew Pine is. But if he's struggling, put your second best quarterback in the game and see if you can spark him. Yeah, that just kind of goes against what he's saying that they want to set on a quarterback, right? I mean, I know Brian Kelly will pull the trigger if they have zero points at halftime again, but what, what are we doing here, as Pete likes to say, if we're going to zero points at halftime again and pulling the quarterback, right? He must he must really not be a great quarterback right now in practice, Drew Pine. Well, we saw, although he, you know, we've, we've talked Jack about... Cohen, I mean, who made the biggest yeah. mistake in this game? I know, I know. No, I get it, but I, I mean, he must be making more... Yeah. mistakes on the practice field there must it it has to be a lack of recognition it has to be I, I what else would it be other than a lack of recognition and we should point out we saw that in the game I, people aren't getting sure. we're, we're kind of we're kind of glossing over it. Oh, the braid Lindsay fourth down he'd asked about it 
it was a lack of recognition on Drew Pine. Brian Kelly yep. told us we're not misunder we're not misreading film. Brian Kelly told us that. Yeah, okay. I mean that, that to me <laughs> we all look frustrated. That that was quite telling, and I I appreciated his his candor in the answer because it was like you're not throwing a player under the bus or explaining what happened on a play. Um, that's where if Drew Pine was further along. I think that you you could make the move to him. But I mean, and also think about what was missed on that play. It wasn't just misreading the cover coverage. It was missing a wide open Michael Mayer, which like yeah. you can never, ever, ever miss. I, you know, I agree it was candor, but I also think it was him trying to provide reasons as to why he's going to stay with Jack Cohn. Now, in retrospect, we can look at that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it's both, right? Yeah, it's, well, if, it's, if can, not, it it's candor and a and a reason to to stick with Jack Cohn. And I'd say it's not throwing under the bus because if it's not Drew Pine, then it's Brayden Lindsay. So you would be throwing somebody under the bus just by answering a question honestly in that situation. It could be, yeah, but it could be anything it. but that. Yeah, he answered it extremely thoroughly. Whatever it it, that, that, it really doesn't did. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter ultimately what Brian Kelly says in a press conference. What he's the, he apparently has made that decision. Unless he's going to throw us a curveball, uh, but two outlets, Intel is t- is saying that it's going to be Jack Cohn, and so um, we will move on to segment two and talk about Jack Cohn, the quarterback situation. Tim's got one more thing to throw in here before we break. I am going to deny this like a flat earther until it happens on seven thirty on Saturday. I'm just going to keep praying, thinking that Drew Pine will be the quarterback because I don't, I don't, I don't get the uh, the sitting duck situation. So even though Irish Illustrated and The Athletic are right, I'm going to deny it. I can do that. It's my right. (laughs) Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Are you a business owner looking for an all-in-one point-of-sale and business management solution? Then visit Clover.com. Clover from Fiserv, an official payment and commerce partner of Notre Dame Athletics, can help. From accepting payments to tracking inventory, running loyalty programs, and everything in between, Clover helps businesses thrive. Visit Clover.com to learn more. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Nat J. Tafel one Which mismatches do you think Notre Dame can take advantage of against Virginia Tech? And what are the mismatches Virginia Tech will try to exploit against Notre Dame? I mean, on the latter, I would think Trey Turner versus Clarence Lewis, who has to bounce back. Um, I think Alec Pierce is better than Trey Turner, but Trey Turner is a good player. He's, he's a good football player. Turner versus Lewis, you got to give Lewis a little help. I don't know how you help him though, because I don't I don't like it when Kyle Hamilton's being used to, as not a chess piece over there to, to negate a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, maybe Clarence Lewis will get back to where he was playing good football earlier in the year, but he had a really rough day. Um, and I think Notre Dame could put Virginia Tech in a lot of third and longs because I don't like Virginia Tech's running game all that much. Um, and I still believe Notre Dame's defense and rushing defense is uh, is top notch or head is is trending top notch. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. You know, Clarence Lewis last week, I thought he started the game really well, and then yeah, just like yeah. I felt like he got stuck in some scheme problems where he was coached to sort of concede an in-breaking route, um, and Cincinnati knew it, and so they just called a bunch of in-breaking routes. Um, on the outside and Clarence Lewis was sort of like out of position immediately opposed to like playing with bad technique. I don't know. That was a, that was a strange, that was a strange situation. I, I'm a little concerned about um, 
Braxton Burmeister running the ball from the quarterback position based on what Ritter did last week. But I think so much that is contingent upon also being able to throw the ball. Uh, and I don't think Burmeister is even close to Ritter in that department. Yeah. And I think uh, even it's a big offensive line for Virginia tech, but I think Nordane's pass rush can yep. pass rush can give them troubles. Probably the biggest <laughs> mismatch you're going to see statistically is Virginia tech's red zone defense, which is, fourth in the country I think in red zone penetrations allowed at seven and Notre Dame is 126 with 11 red zone penetrations offensively so Notre Dame can't get there and when they get there they're going to have a hell of a time against Virginia Tech's red zone defense so that's tough but I do I do think that Notre Dame's defense can can create problems for their offense it's not a well-oiled machine Burmeister's going to make plays because he's just He's fast, he's athletic, he's fearless, and he's going to go for it. In fact, he, he missed part of the Middle Tennessee Middle Tennessee State game because he got banged up. They're trying to get him to slide. He doesn't want to slide. He wants to take people on. So, I mean, I got a lot, a lot of respect for him. You look at him, you think he's a small quarterback. He's not that tall, but he's like 6'1", 215, so he's got some, some toughness to him. So, I, I think, Nordic, this looks like a really low-scoring game to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if I, I mean, I dare say, I think Notre Dame might have a few more ways to score offensively than Virginia Tech, but I, I, I might be, I might be you know, pushing a little bit. There. I, I actually, I actually agree with you, Tim. I think, um, unfortunately, I think Virginia Tech has more ways to score by creating short fields against Notre Dame because of their penetration. I mean, it's, you know, the 46 tackles for loss isn't a huge number, but they played one fewer game, right? Um, yeah. They're, they're tough to uh, – I mean, they have – I'm sorry, they have 28 tackles for loss. Nordic's allowed 46 tackles for loss, which is absolutely right. ridiculous. Um, I, I think they're going to spend a lot of time in Nordic's backfield, which creates short fields. And, you know, Cincinnati, is, as well as they played on those two drives, their 10 points that were 10 pretty critical points came because their defense created seven um, and negated another one for Notre Dame. And I, it's – it's one of those things where you say it's going to be low scoring. I agree, but it's going to be low yardage, lower yardage than anything else. Is yeah. kind of how I look no, at it. I agree. Judge Arthur Vandelay, this may not apply, but if Pine is the starter Saturday, how does Tommy Reese alter the game plan offensively? I I wanted to to keep this question in because I think Pine ultimately has to play. Um, you know, rollout throws. I mean, he's he's shown the ability to do that. Burmeister certainly does as well the read option game becomes viable with 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 pine in the game which is one of the reasons why we thought he would probably start uh he's not going to push the ball down the field quite the way that that cone does but i think he's pretty accurate in the the intermediate routes when they're not those direct crossing routes which he struggled with a little bit but uh you know i just think i think pine opens up the playbook a little bit but brian kelly apparently is weighing some other factors in, involved there in, in the decision that they apparently have made. It's tough. I mean, I, I don't like the, um, I don't like where things are with, with Buckner and sort of figuring out, okay, what, what can he do? What can he give you? If you're going to stick with one quarterback and sort of one direction, Buckner is sort of antithetical to that based on what they're doing. I, I would prefer it if, if they gave Buckner the playbook and said like, sit down and like go, Give me 10 plays you feel comfortable with, not 10 run plays, just 10 plays yeah. that I think they might be better off with that. But I think ultimately, like for this week, at least 
probably best off by hitting pause uh, with Buckner and it is rolling with Cone. All right. Um, questions that are related, I'll read them back to back from Hone, H-O-N-E. What are what are the prospects for a return to the offensive line dominance in 2022? Or will there be lingering effect that carries over from this year? And then from Domingo, will Notre Dame dip into the OL transfer portal in 2022? If not, how will the offensive line look in 2022? There's a couple ways to look at this. Um, I, I wrote in the summer. I did not know the line was going to be this bad when I said it, but I thought it would be a one of the worst lines of the, of the Kelly era just because of what they lost. That 2023 was the next um, – playoff level offensive line at Notre Dame because Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler are, are juniors and you'd have a guy stay in for a fifth year that Joe Alt now is going to be a heck of a junior. You would think back then I was thinking Tosh Baker. Um, 2022, no matter what is going to have a, some lingering effects, I think, but I do think Notre Dame has enough players. I mean, Rocco Spindler is walking through that door in 2022 kind of, that's could be a pretty good retro freshman, right? He's not like a cure-all. But when Kelly said, who's walking through that door? I was like, well, Rocco Spindler could walk through that door. Yeah. But obviously, he's not quite ready. Are they? <laughs> let, let's be fair about Rocco Spindler right now. Nobody would try him if he was ready, right? It's not like they are married to yeah, Zeke not, right I, now. So yeah, let's, I'm not going to second year, guess that. No, yeah, sure. But in a, year, yeah, in a year, Rocco Spindler should be developed to be playing ball. Um, dipping in the transfer portal, I mean, it seems so logical, but boy, it didn't work this time. And you got the highest no, level, highest level power five, non-power five. Yeah, but five you guy can't, you, you can't, you can't base it that way. You got to go out and find another guy. First of all, go ahead, Tim. I, I, I didn't mean just Kate Madden. I kind of mean like the fifth year lineman transferring. Who, who's you got to find some good fifth year lineman transfer around well, the country. And let me analyze a few of them because I don't think Dylan Gibbons would change Notre Dame. No, like I, no. What State. you need is you need a power five offensive lineman who's starting and yeah. and says, hey. I want to take it up a step and go to Notre Dame and play my fifth year. That right, that's right. That's a different kind of player. But let me hone said, what are the prospects for a return to OL dominance in 2022? They're not dominating in 2022. You can't be this bad in 2021 and be a dominant team the next year. It doesn't happen that way. Um, just to, just to clarify the wording there. Um, I think you look at the portal and if you find the right guy, then you find the right guy. Um, but, you know, I mean, everybody's back next year. And I, and I would say I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have said this before. I wouldn't rule out the fact that Jared Patterson's coming back next year. I think that that could happen. I'm glad you said that. Now, Pete, go ahead. Cause I know you have thoughts on this, but Tim, I've been thinking for six weeks. I know how much Jared Patterson is planning on leaving. Where are you going? I don't. I don't know that he. I don't know. Let's say he was planning. Planning. If he was very. If he had a really say. good year, like he was having. I mean, past. I think. I think he's ultimately going to be open-minded about this. And you wonder if Josh Lug, who, you know, we we can we expect Josh Lug to be an experienced player. He has 13 career starts. I wonder if he considers coming back next year, and then everybody's back except Madden, and now you have a much more. But the notion of from where they are now to dominance, it's not, it's not going that it, offensive line play doesn't work that way. Yeah. I would say next year, just being good would be fine. Um, that, you know, that would be a positive step. And it's like, if I, if I gave you, this as Notre Dame starting lineup on the offensive line, left tackle, Blake Fisher, left guard, Michael Carmody, center Z Carell, right guard, Rocco Spindler, and right tackle could be, could be lug. 
could be Alt, could be Baker with another year in the weight room. Like that would be that would be a good looking offensive line. Um, but I always felt like this this year was sort of the beginning of a new cycle of Notre Dame offensive line play. And in 2023, the line would look a lot like it did in 2020. Um, right. 2019 so at least. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Next year would be more comparable to 2019 um, or maybe 2018, but like good, good line play, but not ass kicking line play. Um, they're, they're a long way away from that, but I do think next year with the full off season, a very deep dive and a thorough sober accounting of like what has gone wrong. They easily could be a, a good line next year. Our wild underscore scout. Do you believe the Tuesday interview situation was in retaliation for either the Harry he stand secret consultation story or for the beating Brian Kelly took in the media for starting the wrong quarterback for the Cincinnati game? I don't think it's the latter. I don't think that gets anybody back. Anyway, it doesn't cross anybody's mind. Um, I do find it odd that, what does it mean that it was the players, the players took a vote and they wanted to do this? Who cares? Why would they be able to take a vote on this? Can they take a vote next week and send out Shibley so I can have a story? Is that what we're going to do? Can we take a vote next week and put out the freshman? I think it kind of took on a life of its own. Like, Hey, why don't we send out this guy? Yeah. And it, it it went in that direction. Pete, unless you have uh, some different information on that. First of all, did, did Brian Kelly take a beating from the media for starting the wrong quarterback last week? Uh, no. Uh, no, we all said that the team was uh, outcoached. Brian Kelly was outcoached by Luke Fickle if in the in the large scheme. Tommy Reese. Yeah, but that wasn't game. based upon starting the run. My, no, my, no, I, I was kind of reading. We all yeah. thought Cone should have started, but you should have brought Pine in in the first half. That's all. That that was my only thing with that. But the Monday um, presser was your classic. You just lost the game. Um, let's and we sit there and we think about every single thing that can be changed, and we ask about every single thing that can be changed. Um, and he sits there and he takes it. But that's, you know, you're the head coach at Notre Dame. I think that, that's sort of how it works. I think he does a good job of that. Um, but I didn't – what happened on Tuesday was awkward and unfortunate and, like, not super professional. But I'm willing to sort of, like, let it – flow under the bridge um i i don't think it was vindictive i don't uh, think it was based either. on what happened on saturday it was just like super awkward i found it interesting i didn't see the whole thing but the inside the indie football program i noticed that uh myron tagavaloa mosa who was supposed to meet with us he was on that show cam hart he was on that show but the four walk-ons that they brought in for us they weren't on that show so i guess they weren't interesting enough for Notre Dame's inside indie football episode but we were we talked to him i know look i i'm just trying to whatever nordane wants to do you can go ahead and do it. it it's it's not from a perception standpoint it's not the ideal time to do that right after a loss but you know i mean i you know perception i, I don't know what i don't know how much weight that carries uh, but I don't think I don't think there was any vindictiveness involved in the decision that was made. 
Next one from ACC TG Teach. A lot has been made of this offensive struggles lately, but the defense has come a long way since the opener. Is there an area where the defense needs to continue to improve as well? I think it's only one one thing, and I'm not exactly how you prevent that, but I mean, it's they're playing well, they're playing well, they're playing well, and then they give up a long drive. And I guess you're, there's going to be give at some point, but it shouldn't be a five-play 80-yard drive at the end of the half. Or No, that was really – that was a crripling crippling drive that should not have probably happened if you think of Notre Dame's ability to, to defend in a game, in a game like that, yeah. in a game like that 10 nothing and 17 nothing at halftime is a world of difference yeah that was that was unfortunate um I think that there are a few weaknesses in the defense not a lot um I think they're doing a really nice job but like if you can isolate JD Bertrand in pass coverage or get JD Bertrand on his 60th snap or higher yeah. Um, you can find a little bit of success. That's that's hard to do. Um, you know, the the ball skills of the safety that's not named Kyle Hamilton, you can take deep shots. I would do that too. But like other than that, I think Notre Dame's defense is sort of without weakness at the moment, which is remarkable considering they don't have Kurt Heinisch. Um, but well, should, it sounds like they should this weekend. Yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, we should, should be. Did we talk about that? Who was going to be back? Who wasn't? Heinisch will be back. Wilkins is out with MCL. Out for, for the, the rest of the year, yeah. um, and we'll find out about Mayer. I mean, it's it's just going it's going to be a very inactive week uh, for yeah. Michael Mayer. Yeah, and it was I asked the question about Mayer, like what he looked, what was his workload like, and he's like, well, you know, clearly they're resting Michael Mayer for the game. Yeah, and resting I, when, his right in his strength. When I yeah. say inactive week, I mean during the week. I don't know about Saturday yeah. yet. There's concerns about um, uh, Jason Adamiola, um I couldn't believe he wasn't in on the last drive defensively. I found that so strange on a six play drive. Um, and then if you look at Michael Mayer getting hurt on the play where he pulls up lame, Adamiola is getting his arm worked on right blatantly right there in the background, because Adamiola has the look on his face that I had when Michael Mayer pulled up lame. Uh Oh, Michael Mayer is pulling up lame. And you could kind of see his, his reaction to it and to not go out there on the last drive, your best defensive lineman and what your second best defensive player. It's related to the arm, right? You have to get a stop. Yeah. It's a six play drive. So hopefully he's ready to go. Uh question from is it dip ninety-eight? I think I left the number off. Uh would Dylan Gibbons have been a second best starter on the Nordame offensive line if he had stayed? <laughs> I would have him, Oh the irony. I'd have him tied for not last. <laughs> well, he undoubt he he'd definitely be starting now, would he not? Yes. I, yes. He would have been starting yeah. weeks ago. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, th- such are the dynamics of the portal and, and uh, the grass is always greener. You know, yeah, it, it's hard to say. Like, I, it's it's inconceivable <laughs> to all three of us here that you would have said when Dylan Gibbons leaves, he'd be valuable and be a better player than Josh Lug is coming up in this season, right? So what would, I don't know, what would Dylan Gibbons do on Notre Dame at guard? Probably give up some stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he wouldn't be getting pushed off the ball like the two no, offensive guards. I didn't know Josh he, Lug was going to get caved in half the time either. You know, I, I just know. didn't. To me, and that's why it goes back to the story I, I did earlier this week, just trying to, you know, trying to analyze what are all the reasons why the offensive line is is where it is, and it's 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 on so many different levels, including injuries. You know, yeah, at left I mean, tackle, yeah, but um, yeah. but that but that's just a that's not really what's at issue here. Um, uh, you, you have 
you have older players getting pushed off the ball. You have a six-year senior, a fifth-year senior, a veteran senior, and a highly touted redshirt sophomore. And they're just they're not getting a whole lot of push. Any Davis too, do you foresee any scenario playing out where Nordian fans accept Drew Pine as a long-term answer, or will the story continue to be preparing Tyler Buckner to take over the reins next year and or aggressively pursuing a grad transfer for 2022? The grad transfer thing is interesting to me for 2022 because you kind of crowd the room, right? I mean, with freshmen coming in. Drew Pine. Well, you, have four, you have four instead of three. You have four yeah. next year instead of the three you have this right. year. I would uh, probably, I mean, it depends on who the court is. <laughs> it depends on who it is. Jack Cohen seemed like a really good idea to, as well. Um, and he's crucial to the team now. But I foresee anything. I mean, I, I could see, no, I think Notre Dame fans would be mad if Drew Pine like pushed Tyler Buckner to the bench for a year. If it's, if it's nine and three and nine and three, don't you? If that's what we're trying to get. Yeah, I, th- I think yes. Drew, yeah. in answer to the question, I think Drew Pine would have to win every game. And even then, it would be like, yeah, the offense is good and they're winning, but Tyler Buckner could do better. Right. I, 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 I almost have to be like the reason that they won the games. Like, yeah, I, it, yeah. it couldn't be a Tommy Reese, like, well, I can't take him out. He's, you know, six and oh, as a starter kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the way Kelly sort of defended that uh, in 2011. Um, you know, it has to be, it would have to be more than that. Can't just be like, you're on the field when they win. Kind of a weird topic. Are Notre Dame fans going to accept Drew Pine? Well, yeah, <laughs> for pushing yeah, I, Tyler Buckner to the side. It's, I it's, think Andy uh, Davis too probably asked it because he assumed that that Drew Pine would be starting this weekend. And yeah, that assumption that's good. That's that assumption has uh, apparently has changed. David Janky, four. If BK were to ride off into the sunset after the season, who would you think the top three coaching targets would be to replace him? Do they? Do you need more than three? After last Saturday, do you? <laughs> I, was gonna say, I mean, one, I know one that comes to mind quickly. Uh, and who's that? Luke Pickle comes to mind. Well, that, no, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Is we need more than one after last <laughs> yeah. Saturday. I think, I think, uh, I think Luke Fickle would be the guy if Brian Kelly was not the head coach next year. I mean, I think he'd be Notre Dame's choice, and I think he would yeah. accept the position. I think both those things are true. Um, you know, I'd, Iowa State has been pretty underwhelming this year. I think <laughs> I Matt Campbell is a, <laughs> like he's a good coach. Like Iowa State should being underwhelming at Iowa State is actually an improvement over where Iowa State football. Yeah, is. but not this year. They that, that is this a year is like this was a year team. to kick on and be like, all right, this is a ten and two, eleven and one type of team, and it has not happened. Um, you know, but the the third call, I don't know who the third call would be. Um, it's PJ Fleck, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I, you know, I, I had, oh, good lord, I, I, uh, oh, yeah, what instead of PJ Fleck, I'm saying, instead of PJ, Fleck, yeah, I, 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 I admire, the I I admire the, the success that PJ Fleck has had as a head coach, yeah. I really do. Um, I just, I just don't know that that, that works, but I mean, really, I think it'd be Luke fickle. I agree. All right. Uh, we will go from this last question into our predictions. The last question from Chad Flanagan 
How many points will be needed by either team to win Saturday night? 24 does it again, right? Would you guys agree? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 I, I, I do. Over under is 46. So that's what yeah, I'm putting. I do think 24 uh, gets it done, unless you get some fluky stuff uh, later in the game. And so now I'm happy to say that I don't have to make my prediction, but you two guys do. Uh, for the third straight week, I will make a prediction that I don't like as it comes out of my mouth. Um, so, but I'm going to go Notre Dame 26, Cincinnati 19, just like weird game. Um, it's going to, I, it's a, a muck around, figure out how to get out of there. Don't worry about whether it's ugly or not type of performance. Um, initially I thought Drew Pine would be leading it. Now I think Jack Cohn will be leading it. Um, and I'll, I'll go back to kind of what I felt after I made the prediction that Wisconsin was going to upset or Wisconsin was going to beat Notre Dame. It's like, wait a minute, Notre Dame has more skilled talent than, um, than Notre Dame. Then I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, if mayor is, if mayor is out, then I would feel totally different about this. Um, but I'm sort of rolling with mayor in, uh, and I think that Notre Dame will figure out a way to get out of Blacksburg at five and one. I think if Mayer's out, um, Notre Dame loses by two touchdowns, it'll score 10 points. And I don't, I might be giving points away there that they're not going to be able to find. If Michael Mayer doesn't play in this game, after losing Joe Wilkins and they can't protect the quarterback and are changing quarter or not changing quarterbacks, uh, that's just a terrible, terrible prediction. I, make. I just don't believe in any of this. Um, yeah, weird game. I'm looking at, you know, that. 2019, 2219, all the just red zone defenses are just so much better than the weak offenses they're facing. Um, as long as I'm allowed to, allowed to couch it that if Michael Mayer plays, I want to completely change my pick 100%. I will okay. stick with Notre Dame as well in the 22-20 range. <laughs> Something weird. <laughs> Something really weird. If Mike, no, seriously though, let's go back to Michael Mayer. If Michael Mayer like checks in, tweaks his groin in the first quarter, how many points does Notre Dame score? He's out three and a half quarters. I I I can't answer that, Tim. <laughs> I can't. I literally can't answer that. Uh, but that's. I mean, it's so significant yeah. because you don't you don't have you don't have an alternative at that position. You don't. I mean, you don't even have a pass catching could, alternative at that position right now. I don't George think you could play a tight end. I wouldn't play a tight end. Go I mean, with like can, a two two back three wide receiver thing. Well, I mean, you can target Takis a few times. I you could. Well, you could. No, I know. Well, that's because they have Michael Mayer. But I mean, yeah. you could target. I you could probably target Mitchell Evans. You talked about him not being ready to to block. Yeah. He might be ready to to catch a few passes. But I think this is low scoring. I think it's a difficult game to predict. the The line on the game, right from the very beginning, was very concerning. Um, despite the 46, my pick is the under, uh, and I'll let you know on Friday who I think is going to win this football game. Uh, but until, yeah, Tim, go ahead. I feel like, um, if just mayor was healthy, I would have been a little more confident. My pick that Notre Dame is bouncing, but like, I, I feel like I really made it sound so dire. It's just, I don't, I didn't get, I didn't like how Brian Kelly talked about mayor. I guess, I guess it makes sense. There's no other way of doing it. He's been bothered by a groin injury for six, seven weeks, and he hurt 
something else a little bit more above the groin. <laughs> so of course you're not going to let Michael Mayer take a lot of reps in practice. There's I'm probably reading too much into how he. he well, yeah, I I think you might be a little bit just because he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything practice wise this week right. of note. And so yeah. when you're the coach, regardless how good the player is, if he doesn't practice all week, that that creates a bit of a problem, uh, a little bit of consternation with what exactly is going to happen there. So that's it for today's Irish Illustrated Insider, O'Malley and Priester on an instant analysis pregame from Virginia Tech Saturday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.